When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Supreme Resort, Land V World, a podcast about Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and which is the Supreme Resort. Each episode, we will discuss and explore each resort land by land, park by park, ride by ride to determine which is better. I'm your host, Jimmy, and thank you for joining me on this quest to help the greater good of humanity answer this long elusive question, which is better, Disneyland or Walt Disney World? Joining me as always is Dan. Hi, Hi Dan. I'm Dan. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna give a Christmas greeting. This, uh, this, I hope like your kids are near, and I hope your kids are around like sixth grade to maybe ninth grade because I have a very special Christmas greeting for them. Merry Christmas! I hope your stockings are hung in your goon cave so Santa's god can skip into your toilet. Merry Christmas! They and might be just all- losing their minds right now. And also. I haven't heard, used these earphones before. <laughs> They're vibrating my ears and it tickles me. So I need to do something about that. We have Eric also. Hi, Eric. How are your ears? Uh, my ears are great. I understood several of the words that Dan just said. I'm recovering from a migraine from this morning. So And last week. Uh, well, yeah. Last, well, last week was bad. Um yeah, but hey, we're re- recording the thing. This is the fifth podcast I've done in yeah. the last week. Yay! That's commitment to you, listener. You, the listener, Eric, is doing it for you. Yeah. Uh, while I change wait, out wait, my wait, earphones. Wait, 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 wait. What? I just want to say. Okay. If you think it's not you, it's you. <laughs> I'm really talking. I'm really talking I'm to really you. Talking I'm, to I'm you. really doing this for you. <laughs> if you think it's not you, it's you. <laughs> and if you want it to be not you, what you I'm doing? sorry, it's you. <laughs> Got a regular Chris Provost on our hands over here. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> he should be on the show. He should be. Indeed. I think I think he'd be fine. In new earphone news, they don't vibrate. Mm. Okay, so... <laughs> These ones aren't going to tickle you. No, but they're <laughs> pretty quiet. So, guys, I went to Disney World last week for business-related, but we went to Animal Kingdom mm-hmm. on a Wednesday. This was December the 6th. Hmm. Yes, December 6th. It was a Wednesday. We booked the park the day before. Mm-hmm. There were nine of us, and we, park opened at 8. We were in queue rope drop at 7.30. Now, for those of you who have been to Animal Kingdom, there are two ways to access the Discovery Island. There's one to the left that's for resort guests and one to the right for non-resort guests. We were the very first people at 7.30 a.m. to be in the rope drop, and they didn't let us in until 8. <laughs> that's right. Uh, 8 o'clock. We left at 12.30. So for those of you who are not big math whizzes, that's four and a half hours. In that four and a half you hours. you either did a whole lot or not much at all. 
<laughs> Stay tuned. In four hours, we did Flight of Passage, mm-hmm. Kilimanjaro Safaris. Um, we did Collie River Rapids, mm-hmm. Everest, Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. It's tough to be a bug. Uh, Navi River Journey. And we had lunch hmm. in four and a half hours. I was going to say, you should have added on some lunch, but you did the lunch. Where, and we did lunch? lunch. So at the, uh, the Flame Tree Barbecue, not the Satuli oh. Canteen, which is my new go-to, but Flame Tree. So it was a I, good day to be at Disney World. Um, it was wonderful. It was cold AF. I think the high that day was 54. <laughs> Holy cow, really? It was cold, yeah. We got there on Monday. It was 82. Tuesday, it was 72. Wednesday, it was like 58, 54, I think, something like that. It was cold. Wow, I saw you wearing long sleeves and thought, "Come on, yeah, come it was on, chilly." Um, anyway, so that was fun. It was. It's rare. It's not a common thing to be able to do. You know, eight things in four hours <clears throat> anymore at any of these theme parks, right? Yeah, I. It's so fun. I as you're telling that story, I, I'm thinking about like my experiences at Animal Kingdom and. I think this happened when you and I went together the most recent time, Jimmy, and it's not like any fault of yours or anything. It's just when <laughs> I, I, I just, I just want to be clear in case it sounds that way, because like when I conceived of going, I was like, I just want to spend some time hanging out in these lush environments and just like taking it in and soaking in and all the thing. Cause it's like, that's what the park seems to yeah. be really built for in some ways. Agreed. But then mm-hmm. anytime, like, the fact that I was at Disney world always would get in the way of that totally by my undoing. Mm-hmm. Cause it was just like, ah, uh, yeah, I could like sit in this lush atmosphere and take it in. And even when I try, it's like, yeah, but I could go to Epcot. Right There's now. stuff. There's <laughs> stuff <to laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it was, it, it's a beautiful park. And absolutely. If I was with theme park lovers, uh, we would have done those eight things. And then for the next six, seven hours, we would have, gone on the train back to the conservation station we would have walked through the you know the the maharaja jungle track we would have walked through the gorilla stuff we would have walked through the tree of life and discovery island we would have probably gone on everest again we probably mm-hmm. would have and then been there for because you know the sun goes down at like 4 45 right now um so we would have been there for the bioluminescence um so yeah you know but they weren't big theme park fans so instead they went back to the hotel and sat in the hot tub and drink beer nice that's like pretty good too. I mean, and then we and then we door dashed Little Caesars. <laughs> Ooh, Little Caesars, Bala. Uh, not <laughs> anyway, even, not even Domino's. <laughs> Ew. Sorry. You like Little Caesars better than Domino's? I actually do. Little Caesars is my go-to, and I think it's just a childhood thing. But my new favorite pizza of all time is from a little chain called Nancy's Pizzeria. I think there are 65 locations in the greater Chicagoland area and they're moving their way. It is the single best deep dish pizza I've ever had. Oh no, no. Nancy's is Nancy's is the best. Okay. I didn't so you know what I'm talking about. It is you the knew best. what Nancy's was because yeah, yeah, there's, that's the best deep dish. There's Chicago. a Nancy's like 10 minutes from my house in Atlanta. And what? Oh my God. I, for a while it was once a week, but it's like, <laughs> so it's so good. The quality is so good. I would get a small deep dish, which nobody else will eat in my family. They don't like it. I get a small deep dish, a medium thin crust, and it's legit thin crust, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I mean, the, the deep dish is two and a half inches deep, but it is legit. 
but <laughs> it's I would just order a block of cheese. It is so good. Small deep dish, medium thin crust, and a salad. It was eighty dollars. <laughs> wow. It's insane. So anyway, we don't do that a lot anymore. Uh, I have a question. Caesars, sorry, speaking of Little Caesars, were you aware that the founder quietly paid Rosa Parks rent for years? No. What? Yeah. He's a no, true story, guy, right? Uh, hold on. CNN. Not, not a Rosa Parks, the Rosa Parks. The Rosa Parks. Yeah. No, not, <laughs> not, not, not uh, let's see. Uh, Detroit Tires, Impact, uh, current story came to light. They didn't go around saying it. Shortly after her fame defiance. Oh, in 1994, Parks was robbed and assaulted in her home at the age of 81. Keith, himself mm. an important legal figure in the civil rights movement, worked to find Parks a new, safer apartment at the Riverfront Apartments in Detroit, according to the Sports Business Daily. Uh, Illich, that's the founder, read the story in the newspaper and called this person offering to pay for Parks housing indefinitely. That's so cool. Yeah, I think Little Caesars is still family owned, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So, very cool. Yeah, Excellent. Wow. We've slowly become a pizza review podcast. Ooh, (laughs) look out, Doughboys. We're coming for you. We're not going to, probably going to skip over Jimmy, uh, Jimmy John's, but. Anyhow, uh, what no, is PWNing? No what is PWNing? Poning. What does that mean? It's uh, <laughs> Eric. You might know the actual rich history of this. I I usually just I just take the slang and use it. I believe it is making fun of the sort of person who would first of all talk about owning somebody, but also be so excited about it they would type it in as PWN. Why? Because it's like it's making fun of like weird uh, nerdy gamers. I think. It's, okay. Yeah, it's it's gamer slang. It's it's owning somebody. It's it's uh yeah. Hey, I I totally took you out, and now I'm going to uh, have my character uh, squat over your character, mm-hmm. your your character's corpse, and uh-huh. uh, yeah, there we go. So. And defecate, uh, presumably? No, 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 no. no it's a just implied. Thing. It's a balls That's thing. Just, oh, gotcha. It's not okay, so, well, if, if our uh, <laughs> messenger thread is to be believed, there's going to be a lot of poning in this episode. <laughs> I, <laughs> epic ponage. Epic ponage. Um, in future uh, episode, in future Supreme Resort episode news, the Haunted Mansion is closing for refurbishment. Currently mm-hmm. featuring the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay, guests' last chance to experience the ride will be January 21st, 2024, according to the Disneyland Resort official hours and events calendar. On January 22nd, it will go down for refurbishment. No opening date has been given, though rumors indicate the regular version of the attraction will not return until after the 2024 holiday season and the annual Haunted Mansion holiday overlay, meaning early 2024. Five. Mm-hmm. Dan, go. Just close it. Just close it. Just make it a Haunted Mansion holiday all the time. I do not give a shit anymore. I'm so tired of this. Just close it. I I, I don't want to even... It, it, the ride is... It's absolutely dead to me. I like Just let the obnoxious Tim Burton fanboys win. I do not care. Eric's right there. What? <laughs> <laughs> It's like Tim's Tim's my best friend. It's 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 not even that good of a movie. It's like people well. just people just figured out that they liked it because it's like, 
oh, I'm dark and interesting, and this movie's dark and interesting, and Tim Burton's dark and interesting. He's not. He's not interesting, by the way. There's his movies are except for Big Fish. They're they're terrible. That none of the characters learn anything. None of them change in any of his movies, and his like dark and interesting stuff is just lazy like expressionism and it's not I, even done I, I will well. I will admit that Sally has no purpose that's true there's in, no in this Tom Corliss over here as well. <laughs> <laughs> I just I mean but seriously like it's I am I'm so tired of also people like they're promoting the Haunted Mansion and that's great and they have all this Haunted Mansion merchandise crap and that's great but then like it's not even the Haunted Mansion like more than half of the year and at this point yeah. like who who like stop this year Just, in particular yeah, yeah it was it was more than half of the year was either construction or right or holiday well I mean it's the year that the, the movie came out. Yeah, well, the movie didn't do well, um, as yeah. evidenced by the fact that neither of you have seen it. I saw it. Oh, you did. Did you we saw watch the movie? That? Remember? Oh, we saw we, it together. Yeah, we That's both right. saw it. That's right. <laughs> we all I saw it. Who I'm talking. We saw it together and recorded a podcast about it. But did you <laughs> really or, see it? Or Haunted Mansion? Haunted Mansion. Haunted oh, Mansion. Yes. Yes. Do you think I that movie is better? Do you think that movie is better received and and a blockbuster? D- does this overlay go away? No, because people won't shut up about how much they love this fucking overlay. Oh my god! It, it, okay. it, oh no! I, I, it's, it's it's beginning not, to look I'm not a bl- lot. Bleeping that! <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's just it's so it's so stupid, and so much of it really does, in my exp- in my opinion, come from just the most obnoxious people who are who are like, I'm an interesting person. Uh, it's like the same personality type that's just like, I'm going to identify with the Empire, which is like a fascist organization in Star Wars, because that makes me an interesting person. It's like, I can, you idiot. <laughs> but, okay, okay. Now, now you're, you're, you're coming at me directly. <laughs> Not intentionally. I couldn't wait to see the overlay the first time I went to Disneyland. That's acceptable. That's because totally I had never been there. And, right. and, and I knew that there was this overlay, and I wanted to see it because I like that. I, I, I enjoy Nightmare. Mm-hmm. I remember watching it. Many, I, many I remember times. liking that movie too. And then this happened. And finding out that Haunted Mansion, one of my favorite things, yep. had an overlay. Yes. Uh, I wanted to see the different version. And right. also, I like the Empire, not, not for the fascism. <laughs> but because it's a bunch of people that were uh, that were forced into it, forced into a life where it, you know sometimes sometimes you just need a job, okay? Yeah, they were just and following orders. Somehow, right. Palpatine returned, <laughs> and you know it, wh- where where else are you going to get a job on on Coruscant? Like, come on, it, like somebody's got to do the job, and then you find out. Oh no, I'm I'm shooting at the good guys. Oh no. Well, that's from a certain maybe point that's of why view, they're so right? bad at shooting. <laughs> maybe, maybe it's their maybe subconscious. It's okay, I don't do you know. guys want to know? I, I just well, find first it of all, weird. yeah. Go ahead, Jimmy. Please, <laughs> sorry. I, I was going to say. At some point, we'll have to relitigate that episode. But just as a reminder for everyone who was all upset about a Haunted Mansion episode, the reason it lost is the reason Dan is upset. 
That's the reason that. Oh no! That what happened? The oh no! Jimmy. Lost. We lost Jimmy's Jimmy. <laughs> what? We didn't hear what you said for like five seconds. Well, the <laughs> listeners did because I'm still recording. <laughs> All right. Um, Let's hope Zencaster kept up with it. So I said again. Sorry for listener, but that the reason the Haunted Mansion lost that episode is because of this overlay. Yeah. Right. So. And that's we not will why need to I'm upset by once. It. That, well, no, I know, but I, I'm just saying that the that's the whole point. We've been talking about it for years, but yeah, when this new gazebo and expand, expanded courtyard and all that stuff, when that opens, now that we have the hat box goes to Orlando, which transitions me real quick to why I'm the worst um, Disney fan. I'm in Orlando <laughs> the day or like three days after the hat box goes gets into Honda Mansion. I don't go to the Magic Kingdom. I'm in Orlando the day the Walt Disney statue and the whole Epcot crater opens up. I don't go to Epcot. Yeah. Instead, I go to Animal Kingdom. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you'll see the things though, right? I will. That's why I wasn't really worried about it. But being there the day of, although there were like hour long lines to go sit with Walt, I would not have done that. Yeah. And I I think just to put a, a, a bow or a button or whatever on this, I think what I'm really trying to say is, um, Oh, what direction do I want to go with this? Uh, okay, sincere. Um, I think uh, <laughs> it it to me it causes a lot of cognitive dissonance to say, "Here's this ride that we want to pay tribute to and treasure and all this stuff," and then uh, every year just take a giant shit in its mouth. Sorry, Supreme. I mean, um, all right. The Haunted Mansion holiday is better than the original Haunted Mansion. Okay, let's move on. Um, All right, <laughs> just get rid of the original. Just, just make it permanent. I just, I, I'm, I barely get to see it anyway. Just make it, make, make it always the holiday. And I, how was the tree? Oh, it's great. I can't wait. <laughs> I'll be there next week. That's yeah, right. and we're going to knots. Ooh, we might oh, go to Knott's. Yeah. We're going to be in Southern California the week mm-hmm. between Christmas and New Year's, and we're talking about because Disneyland is ridiculous. Thousand uh, dollars for much four people to go passes? for a day. Uh, Ninety nine dollars. Even even Knott's will tell you. Do you want to come to Knott's twice this year? You should buy an <laughs> annual pass. Yeah. So we're thinking <laughs> about going literally to Knott's for New Year's. Recommended when I was buying a ticket. Maybe you should buy an annual pass. <laughs> <laughs> Come tomorrow. Paid for the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, well, if you haven't noticed, it's our special Christmas episode where we filled the holiday cheer. It wasn't obvious from the language. It wasn't obvious. <laughs> um, we, this is the episode of the case of the Christmas on Main Street. So Dan and Eric have done uh, extensive research on Christmas around Main Street specifically. There's obviously Christmas all throughout the resorts. We're going to focus on Main Street because that's one thing they both share. Uh, this discussion will include vehicles, it'll include decorations, it'll include shows, celebrities, parades, Christmas specials, uh, you name it. We have lists of celebrities, C and D list alike, and Regis Philbin. So we're going to get started. <laughs> Obviously so pre- A right there. That's right. Presumably, presumably, yes. For, yeah. Uh, Disneyland's first with Christmas on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Christmas so, it happened earlier um, than yeah. Walt Disney World. What's so, the time zone? So that's right. That's oh, a good yeah. point. Technically, these days Disneyland came first, but or Disney World. Anyway, the point is Dan <laughs> is going to give us an opening statement about Christmas 
on Main Street, USA. Before I do, I have a fun fact follow-up from our friend David from a previous episode. Oh, the FFFU? I forgot to mention this, that the churro cart across the street from Mr. Lincoln at Disneyland is referred to as Walt's cart because it... I guess he used to have ice cream and when he would go there or go to Disneyland with his kids and his nieces and nephews and that's where he would just he would always stop and get the ice cream and apparently it's still they I I guess they just kind of like make necessary repairs and they kind of let it be old I, apparently they hey. now have now serves churros anyway that's cute just do they still refer to it as Walt's cart uh, I forget the exact story but David was telling me about how they they have an inventory name for each cart everywhere in the parks so like for example a, the popcorn cart in Fantasyland would be like popcorn fantasy 2 or something like that right you know and I believe this one is referred to as Walt's cart or something there is a, like that. There is a series from Lego celebrating Disney 100. Mm-hmm. And one of the Lego sets is like a film camera with film coming out of it. Mm. And there's a set with Mickey Mouse and Walt Disney. There's a Walt Disney minifigure. I want to go to there. Nice. Go ahead, huh. Dan. I need, okay. I, I need a tiny Walt Disney. Who doesn't? I, I have two Funko Walt Disneys, but I need a Lego Walt Disney. I want his head. Anyway, um, so <laughs> so you can freeze it, yeah, just to make it real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about nostalgia. Uh, nostalgia is a it's it's referred to, and and for this, I'm I'm uh, going to be referencing a a paper from the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Uh, called uh, Nostalgia Content Triggers and Functions. Um, They say that it is a shared cultural memory, which is an agreed-upon starting point for social connection. Uh, There's compelling evidence, and I'm quoting directly from them here, there's compelling evidence that nostalgia is in a league with other positive emotions, such as love, pride, and joy. Our findings indicate that, like love, nostalgia bolsters social bonds that, like pride, nostalgia that that like pride nostalgia increases positive self-regard and that like joy nostalgia generates positive effect now what is main street if not just a giant chunk of nostalgia right um they also sought to answer uh uh, related to the functions of nostalgia, a question related to the functions of nostalgia, uh, they took as their point of departure the idea that nostalgia bolsters social bonds, increases positive self-regard, and generates positive effect. Uh, they uh, did a study, and relative to the participants in the control condition, those in the nostalgia condition reported greater confidence in their ability to initiate interactions and relationships disclose personal information and provide emotional support to others. So in a lot of ways, main street is as a piece of nostalgia. uh, It does those good things for people. There's also such a thing as toxic, toxic nostalgia, which is a refusal to acknowledge any fault in the time uh, being nostalgic for a AKA wanting to see it all as good. The reverse can also be true, wanting to see it all as bad. So this is sort of like the woke scolds versus the woke police. One side is saying, no, everything was great. The other side was saying, no, nothing was great. 
there's also problems with the um, uh, nostalgia that can happen. People can experience nostalgic depression. That is a yearning colored with deeper tones of hopelessness or despair. And of course, like any emotion, it can be evoked through art. And like anything that can be evoked through art, it can be used cynically. Uh, Basically, if you're thinking what I'm thinking Mm -hmm. and you'd like an example of some of this, rewind about 10 minutes and listen to the Haunted Mansion holiday overlay (laughs) conversation. What are you talking about? (laughs) I'm just joking. (laughs) I don't know what you're saying. Uh, that ride was always perfect, and now it's always bad. That's right. <laughs> Proceed. Uh, I think when I made these notes, I th- assumed that I would be able to tie them together, and I should know myself better than that by now. Uh, I think <laughs> what I'm just kind of laying the groundwork for is uh, Main Street equals nostalgia, Disneyland's Main Street uh, kind of – does it in a more purposeful way in a lot of ways. And this ties into their Christmas, this ties into their vehicles. How much of that nostalgia is, yes, you're right. I mean, that's, it's like well-documented that Disneyland main street specifically is, you know, sort of is nostalgia not personified. It's not the right word, but how much of Disneyland's nostalgia inherently is because of Walt Disney. Well, I think that what, so nostalgia is a part of what makes it so interesting and so impactful is it doesn't need to be true or accurate. It just needs to feel as though it is true and accurate. Right. And I think <laughs> Disney, Walt Disney's original main street is really that where he's, he was trying to say, okay, well this, this is an every town. This is an all this, mm-hmm. this is filtered through my memory, through that guy's memory, through this person's memory. And we're going to make it feel as though it is actually a place where you have been. When yeah, in fact, any town it is USA. a place that has never existed. Right. Yep. Very good. So your opening statement is essentially saying that, Main Street nostalgia at Disneyland is better than Main Street nostalgia at Disney World. I don't know, but I I think more than anything, I'm just I'm just laying a little thematic groundwork. That's that's like about it. it. Hmm. All right, Eric, okay. do you have any thematic groundwork to lay? Uh, well, I, I I mean the I I guess the idea I was originally going to go with was that uh, yeah, uh, of course we're going to do it again at Walt Disney World at the Magic Kingdom. Of course, we're going to do Christmas things because they are so well-received at Disneyland and there's so much nostalgia. Uh, But um, but yeah, Dan threw me for a loop here because, (laughs) uh, yeah, if we're going to talk about nostalgia, we basically did tried to do it again um, on the East Coast. So, but I think effectively it does the same thing, right? It, it's right. any town USA, gas lamps transition to electric lamps, you know, mm-hmm. as, as you proceed, it's true for both. Uh, so what I, I guess what I'll do, since there's no specific format, there's no cues, et cetera, let me just ask questions, presuming you have some level of response or research around it. So one of the Be, things you guys both Sorry, be, before you do, I also want to tie in that idea uh, that that nostalgia de- idea also applies to Christmas in general. It's, of course. Mm-hmm. As, Absolutely. You know, I think, and I think that that goes to 
kind of something that we talked about in the scraping the vault episode that I hope to get finished this week, uh, where it's like, if you have experienced some sort of a damage in that nostalgia cycle, it becomes, uh, difficult to reconcile the real feeling with the shared nostalgic feeling that is happening around you that you are trying that you, you want to be a part of, but you maybe are detached from. Yeah. I'm sure there are plenty of people that, that come to these places wanting to, if they, if they don't have their own Christmas feelings, they want to create them because that's, that's the idea. Right. It's, it's come in and see, this is the ideal. So this is what Christmas is. And just, just, but to wonder how much personal reflection that statement is. 100%. Mm-hmm. Okay. 100%. So, so if I'm and understanding that, you correctly, you don't have that nostalgia for that Christmas stereotype. Nope. And not you want to feel, you want to fit into that and you want to find where that box fits with you and you're kind of outside of it still. No, uh, okay. So uh, I may as well just tell the whole thing. Um, <laughs> I have. Due to just whatever family stuff, they were we're fine now. But like there was there there have been years that have been difficult. I've kind of talked about it before. And I don't want to hammer too much on it, uh, just in case the listeners like Ugh, this again. <laughs> I don't like this Christmas tradition. Um, but there were years that I was very um, abrasive towards Christmas for reasons that I think are justified in my own head, and mm-hmm. I think are understandable if I were to explain them further. Um, and there were a couple years where I was, where I was working customer service and put in malls where people were being demanding and awful because it was Christmas and they wanted their Christmas to be magical. And I didn't have access to that. And it was very upsetting as this Christmas music was playing in the halls of the mall. And anytime I would be faced with that, that like invitation by our greater culture to be like, Hey, look how great it is. My initial response would be like, go Supreme yourself. And I think that there's, (laughs) there's, there's, again, we can get to an understandable place there, but in recent years, I have come around to this idea that Disney specifically Disneyland, just because it's the one I'm closer to and the one that I go to, um, really, really hits that perfect Christmas thing really well. And it hits all of the notes of what it is that fits into the normal, you know, cultural, cultural norms of Christmas and nostalgia. Mm -hmm. And in recent years, I have allowed myself to, I will, I will go there. That's my Christmas. Mm. I will take it in. I will feel all the things and then do not talk to me about it because I don't, there's too much nuance. Um, as, is evidenced, as is evidenced by the fact you're going to be at Disneyland December 19, 20, and 21. I got to cancel the 21st. Wait, no, 18, no, I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. I just looked up. Yeah. I'm, I'm um, there on the 21st. There mm-hmm. you go. Well, 22nd, I, I, I like that for you. So you're not going to be there together? We No, no, we don't like each other. We, we were no. going to. Be. Okay, let, let me, let me. <laughs> Let me tell 
this story. Uh, so uh, I work for a travel agency, and uh-huh. um, I'm glad you I, mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Did Did we already tell the story? Uh, no, but I, if you if I was just gonna say if you don't mention that part, I definitely was going to. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Well, I'm the voice of a travel agency. I don't. Uh, I don't book trips for people generally. But uh, yeah, in this particular case, I was supposed to go with Dan um, starting uh, today. Oh, the (laughs) the 16th is when I was going to fly. Yeah, Uh, we're recording on December 16th. I was supposed to fly out and spend a few days at the parks and then go to Knott's Berry Farm for the first time. But (laughs) uh, I... I, in my hubris, wanted to go and stay at the new suites at the Disneyland Hotel using uh, DVC points. And um, I already sold the remainder of my points for the year and thought, well, I'll I'll go to one of those reseller places, the place where I I sold off the last few points that I had. What's that? Ironically. Ironically, yes. And uh, this particular uh, site, when 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 I put in the dates that I was supposed to go, that they returned. Here's how much it would cost, and I, I thought, "Wow, that's great!" And um, I was at work when I did that, so I didn't want to uh, really investigate it much further. This so is I, called wage theft, Eric. Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> I was on a break. <laughs> and I came home that night, put in those dates, and it said, hey, it's even cheaper now. And I went, wow, that's great. <laughs> and uh, apparently, this particular site, uh, when the dates you want it, want are not available, it'll say, but how about these dates? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was not paying close attention. Oh, no. And so I booked myself for the three days before uh, Christmas Eve. And they're cheaper? They were cheaper. I, Interesting. I was I was shocked. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was cheaper to go these dates. And actually, the flights were cheaper, too. Um, I'm flying home on Christmas Eve. It, the, the whole trip is cheaper than it would have been if I had gone this current wow. weekend. So um, Well, and I think I, I, I do. I really... You're on a lot of podcasts, and I know our listeners listen to you probably on ears up, and and I know that people no, really they like they like you. Uh, you're you're a likable person, and you've got a, a good audience. So I really don't want to do this to you. Oh no! But I think it's important that the listener knows the real Eric. Your attention, please. <laughs> Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This man... (laughs) <laughs> this no, oh, sorry. This monster mm. oh, no. sent sent his wife 
<laughs> to Walt Disney World. I forced my wife to go to Walt Disney, Disney She was World. in tears. She ma- he made her get on the plane. I he bought a ticket her. just so he could go through security to make sure she got on the plane. <laughs> I carried her through security. I, I I put her through through the metal detector. Like she went Shaker. through the scanner. Oh, oh uh, the <laughs> little little She was baggage. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the real Eric is the one that forced his wife to spend a week at Disney World where it was eighty degrees and he was in the he couldn't get out of the driveway because the snow was so deep. A foot of snow. Yeah. Anyway, uh, just want to let you guys know who he really is. But we need to get I'm sorry. I'm sorry, America. And and Belgium, we have a lot of Belgian listeners. Right. Uh, we we need to get on to the show. So uh, Dan, let's talk about Main Street vehicles. You guys mentioned uh, I didn't understand it. We talked about Christmas on Main Street, and you kept saying and Main Street vehicles. I don't understand the correlation. Please explain. Uh, I think when we talked about the show, what we ended up talking about was Main Street. We said that let's do Main Street vehicles, and we're like, is that enough <laughs> for a show? And then one of us was like. Let's do Christmas oh, on Main right. Street too, because that's kind of the related. That's how that go. happened. So we're going to start with the Main Street vehicles at both unrelated to Christmas. Yes, I'm okay. not prepared that's... to talk about vehicles. Oh boy! Oh. I thought oh. we left that in the in the dust. Maybe, maybe wow. that's because I was abusing my wife and forcing her to go to <laughs> Walt right. Disney World. <laughs> right. I think maybe it's because you knew that you wouldn't be able to win this argument. Ooh. Anyway, uh, so. <laughs> Because Walt Disney World's uh, vehicles are <laughs> pony, generally not operating. They're not really running very often, are they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Should we just say? That? So I'll just hit you with some history, and then we could say that it. that's why it wins. <laughs> there you go. Let's go. <laughs> okay. All right. Oh wait, um, we didn't talk about the sounds. Um, this oh, is yeah, Dan that's right. winning. If I like what Dan does, yep. Sorry, that's try that again. I spoke over it. Okay. Uh, do 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 the normal right, thing. If uh, if Dan says something I think is relevant and cool, you're going to hear this sound. Have you tried Staples? Yep. Of course, I'm Scrooged. Yep. Uh, if Eric says something that that all the things that I said before, you're going to hear this sound. Jingle bell. bell, 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 bell. <laughs> and please explain. I hope your kids are still nope. listening. Listening. <laughs> it's just nope. it's just a weird dubstep. Frank Sinatra. Jingle bells that I found. That's, okay. Excellent. Right. Dan, tell us about the history of Main Street history vehicles. History of Main Street vehicles. So uh, Main Street, Disneyland's Main Street is intended to be a snapshot of a crossroad moment in time. Uh, the, the specific time frame that it takes place in, according to Walt Disney in some book, uh, was from 1890 to 1910. And so that's when we're going from gas to electricity and not in that dumb nerdy way that Disney world does where it's like, here's gas over here. And then now we're going to walk towards electricity. Um, That's delightful. It's stupid. I might've gotten a point for it. I can't remember that episode was three years ago. Yeah. Um, Instead it's like a community in the progress of, switching around so you have some gas some electricity it's kind of like all there at the same time so like for example when the town in in this in this mythology when the town gets their first like horseless carriage there would still be the horse-drawn trolley because you haven't entirely switched over right Mm -hmm. um 
So let's see. What do I have in my notes? Walt Disney World's tendency toward over-imagined nonsense goes more in the direction of Main Street as a museum and loses any sense of distinct vagueness in this process. Whoa, sick burn. Um, it says and not does. That's that's, And I think Disneyland does it. it it's... Because Disneyland is also intended to represent a small town, which is growing. Um, and that's kind of also reflected in the history uh, of the park itself, because this was a park that was like the first of its kind. So we see a lot of this like hodgepodge. Well, what if we <laughs> take this thing that you see in normal life and turn it upside down and saw it in half and then attach like another thing to it? Then all of a sudden it's this other new thing, right? Um, as an example, uh, we, the horse drawn streetcar, uh, there are two of them very rarely are two running because that can be a bit of a nightmare. Um, there are little ads inside of it. If you're, you know, if you're riding it for like era adjacent attractions, like the golden horseshoe and the Mark Twain, Mark Twain, which provides like a through statement of this is a moment in time. Right. Um, Let's see. We have two fire engines, one uh, that you can currently ride, one that you used to be able to drive or ride, which was horse-drawn. Um, and fun story, Bob Gurr drove the motorized one from the studios and caused a traffic jam. Uh, and someone joked that the fire would be out by the time he got there. <laughs> um, looks like I didn't really provide a transition from my thoughts about the history of this place as a place to the vehicles. So let's just keep going. Uh, there used to be a horse drawn <laughs> Surrey and that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, was there they, a fringe on top? I'm sure there were several fringes on top. Um, th there's also a horseless carriage, which uh, was, is lovingly referred to as a Germobile. This, um, is currently in operation. It's back end, AKA Gyat is a Jeep. It's front is a Ford model. A it has brakes of a fifth 1952 Mercury. The steering system is a 1950 Chrysler Imperial fellow gearheads. I'm sure you all like me have a great appreciation for what all this means. Um, the water pump engine is a two cylinder Hercules. And again, as as we all know, us gearheads that would be, have been chosen uh, for the sound and vibration as well as well as its very well known durability. Uh, that machine travels at four miles per hour on the regular. Its top speed is seven <laughs> miles per hour. Ooh, seven! And I tried. I remember a couple trips ago. I tried talking to one of the people driving it. And I was like, so I know this, you said four miles an hour. What is the actual top speed of this thing? And they're like seven miles an hour. I'm like, okay. Is that like a hard limit? Is it like, cause you know, the, that like the Autopia cars, they have governors on them, which will stop mm -hmm. them from going faster. And the person who explained it to me basically said, no, this thing is so Frankenstein together. Like seven is really <laughs> legitimately as as fast as it can go. Um, the omnibus. Uh, it was the latest addition to the lineup in 1956. There are two. It, it was inspired by a model 
uh, by Dinky Toys in England. That model was of an omnibus. Uh, Bob Gurr was sent to Traveltown in Griffith Park to study uh, omnibus that they had there. And it's interesting because Gurr's dad and uncle both worked on an omnibus for LA Transit Line back when there was an LA Transit Line. For more on that, watch the documentary Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Um, <laughs> it had to fit the force perspective, which is very interesting because you have this, you know, this machine, this vehicle that is larger because it's two stories, but here you have a town that's built in forced perspective. So you got to be really careful not to break it. And they were very careful not to break it for the chassis. All you gearheads out there, I'm sure you know that they used an international harvester. I really, that just confirmed my suspicion when I read that. Um, because as again, we all know that is a, a vehicle used for beer trucks or it was, and that, Again, sorry, as you know, uh, allows for a more a lower inside center. So then you can you can bring the whole scale of the thing down. Uh, the motor I'd like is to hear six- more about what uh, Eric's dogs feel about this. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to mute them. They're also gearheads, I think. Oh, <laughs> that's I clearly. Um, the motor is six-cylinder inline motor, uh, and as again, as you all know, inline means cylinders in a straight line instead of side by side. I have always known this. I didn't need to look that up for this specific show, and, and if I had looked it up for this specific episode, I probably would have felt really stupid that I realized that it was just what the thing said. Uh, but luckily, I didn't have to lift it through that. It has a three-speed transmission, and it used to go to the Mickey Mouse Club, Mickey Mouse Circus in Fantasyland, uh, but they decided that the path was too narrow and it didn't fit <laughs> with the uh, theming of Fantasyland. Is that th- by between the castle and the Matterhorn? Yeah, yeah, because they couldn't build a hot air balloon, as you know, everybody likes to build those hot air balloons around the, par- the park. So this Frankensteining of contemporary pieces to create something that feels accurate because it ex- what? Hold on. What was I thinking here? Frankensteining of contemporary <laughs> pieces to create something that feels accurate because it exists in an uncanny valley of time and machinery. That sounds so intelligent. I think what I was trying to say is that like there's <laughs> a mechanical nostalgia there, which goes back mm-hmm. to the opening statement, because yeah. these vehicles aren't actually replicas of the time but they seem old because they are thrown together in a way mm. that these machines kind of were thrown together when they were invented. And it reflects the specific vagueness of the setting. When I did these notes, I was very proud of myself for that specific. As you should be, by the way. Yeah. Um, so this idea of Disneyland uh, as a snapshot in the moment and uh, having the shared memory, non-memory, Go, again, going back to the, to the opening statement, gives us all as visitors to the park, uh, kind of without even knowing it, a sense of community, because there's like this shared experience. Like we all kind of like started in this same hometown. And I feel like that was part of it in some ways. I, I don't think there's a lot of, I mean, there's not a lot of authors that will directly say that that is the, that was the intent, but if you piece enough 
of the pieces together, it's like, well, yeah, that's kind of why you do that. And in, in the whole uh, idea of the choose your own adventure thing that that Walt set up, right, right. intentionally or inadvertently, everyone has the same opening statement, opening right. credits, right? Right. So you have this shared experience moving into an expanse where you can create your own story from that point on. Right. And you could always return to it. You can always, you know, go shopping at the old market. You could, you know, like there's well, you have a, to. Well, yeah, but the but by and by design, it gives you that shared piece of this is our starting point. This is also our ending point. Um, and I mean, if you're going to pile all the pieces, all the points into one giant thing, I think that this is. I don't like to use the Walt touched it argument, right? But boy, how did he, did he touch this? <laughs> well, for, for whatever it's worth, I already wrote down the point for you, um, but I do want to get. Eric, if, if you have any perspective on Main Street Vehicles, I think my, my, my takeaway from the non-Christmas portion of this is very well-researched and articulated, Dan. I think that's great. I, I know what a gearhead you are, so I appreciate you being so, yeah. you know, for us laymen, right. um, being so uh, descriptive. I'm happy um, to dumb down my vast knowledge of machinery. I appreciate that. Whenever it's, I it's the synced nature in which you... <laughs> articulated your expansive knowledge of cars and vehicles. I appreciate it. Um, and you're right, Eric, I, you know, I think about Disneyland and it's like, I mean, the first thing I think of is main street vehicles and we go on and we went on them last time we were there. You were there. I have a picture of you. Mm -hmm. And Uh, yes, yes. It was a tiny me. (laughs) And I have a personal, I have a personal rule that I have shared with other people that they find delightful. Uh, which is that if you are walking up or down Main Street and a vehicle is there ready for you to use, you are taking that vehicle. Yeah, that's a good rule. Yeah. Um, oh, but Eric, I great. think maybe the Main Street vehicles at Disney World start the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, yeah, it, it's, it's just in the morning before the parades begin. Um, right. Let's see. So it, it's almost the same thing I, I mean not necessarily designed by you know put together by bob Gurr. i suppose maybe yeah bob, bob i was think still they would have i think it would have been hard for them to get rid of him <laughs> right. if he wanted to <laughs> but yeah it, it's it's a similar a similar setup so the current lineup is fire truck uh the omnibus four Four horse pulled trolleys. Uh, again, not all operating at the same time. Uh, three horseless carriages and uh, two jitneys. Uh, so it's 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 the same thing. They just they wanted to do what they did at Disneyland, and they made a few more. But yeah, I I would imagine they operate less. Yeah, than I at think Disneyland. For the point, uh, let's let's give it to Disneyland because you can actually experience this more often. Mm-hmm. Well, let's make this more thorough because I have some notes on that. Okay. Uh, th- uh, so, first of all, the dry just to add to some pwnage, drivers are knowledgeable super fans who have direct or indirect uh, connections to Bob Gurr and other people who work closely I mean, with Walt. Okay, fine. Yeah, we've all talked to Steve when yes. he. He's been driving us down. Well, it, it kind Finish of your it, statement. 
in thinking about in thinking about this, I was reminded of when I worked as a projectionist at a movie theater. Like people who have had certain kinds of jobs sometimes become like very passionate, especially if it's a, if it's like a dying breed kind of thing. They become mm-hmm. very, very, very passionate about the thing and all everything about the thing, and they love passing on that knowledge, whether you want to hear it or not. Um, so it kind of reminded me of that when I was reading about that it's, it's, it's like it was Walt's favorite stuff. So a lot of the, the old heads feel a really deep need to be like, no, you don't understand. He sat here, (laughs) you know? Um, (laughs) And you, you, the the drivers don't like force it on you, but it's, Oh boy, is it there if you want to engage with it. Mm -hmm. But one thing that ties more directly to what we were saying is they recently started running the vehicles all times of day. Basically, mm-hmm. like whenever they can, they do. And this started mm-hmm. around spring of 2023. Um, and I remember when it started, I was I would talk to them and be like, whoa, what happened? They're like, if you like this, tell them. Tell the <laughs> comment on the app, let people know, because it's something that they're experimenting with and they're really thinking that like the vehicles, we may as well run them whenever we can. So mm-hmm. that means that they stop running it for parades, for fireworks, band shows, other events. Um, and I suspect having the most hardened veterans to take on crowd control during those times, it's kind of like a win-win. Um, and also during those times, the vehicles are available for photo ops because um, sometimes they're just kind of sitting there. And the uh, horse-drawn carriage is also used from time to time to per- for the Dapper Dans, <laughs> no relation, to perform in the middle of Main Street and to kind of just like do whatever they want with it. So uh, they're running and they're kind of, they have done a very aggressive push to make them run more often. And riding, that, riding them at night is really fun. Well, I haven't done that. Well, they go faster because it's dark. Of course, because it's dark. <laughs> I, yeah, I have uh, not. I have not done any of these at night, and uh, yeah, I can't imagine that Walt Disney World Magic Kingdom ever no runs any of these at night. No, I would imagine. All right, well, let us uh, concede the point then. Um, point Disneyland for Main Street vehicles. Have you tried Staples? <laughs> All right, on to Christmas, <laughs> which is just a few days away. Uh, yeah. So uh, it, basically, yeah, Disney World. Oh no, I'm sorry. I have also sorry. did it. I don't. <laughs> I don't want to get stuck here, but I have a lot of information about the horses. And oh, let, okay, let's move on. If you want, we can move on and come back. Or I yeah, let's do, do that. Just are we going to talk time. about them in, in <laughs> their new their new stable in uh, what is it, uh, Norco? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do you want me just? Try to f- quickly do this so we can be done. All right, power um, through it. Okay. Yeah. So the reason I went in, into this is because when I went to Disneyland for the first time in a while with my sister a couple of years ago, I <laughs> basically had <laughs> to come g- provide. I knew a little bit about how the horses are treated and how good they have it. And my sister did not. And she was horrified. She was like, no, I'm not doing that. And we talked to a cast member who basically talked her not only down, but to a place where she was like, okay, I'm into this. So first of all, they love having their picture taken. Uh, You can follow them, the horses at uh, their Instagram handle is at horses of Disneyland. Uh, 
Um, so yes, that this is functionally slavery. And I'm not going to get into a speciesist argument, but let's call it what it is. No ethical consumption, right? So, however, that said, this is about as ethical as you can get. Um, so they used to be held at Big Thunder Ranch before uh, Kathleen Kennedy went in and kicked them all out. Um, and they've been used, moved to a place called Circle D Ranch. There's a Norco, which ironically used to be a Christmas tree farm. And from horseandrider.com or .org or whatever, it's a horse and rider thing. Uh, they train the horses to see noise as a, dis- to see noise, uh, not as a distraction, but as a reminder to relax, which is pretty cool. The horses work four hour shifts, three to four days a week. These are each draft horses. And they each weigh around 2,000 pounds. So, what is a draft horse? Uh, draft horse, uh, it's, it's like uh, like Clydesdales, which pull draft beer. That's why they're called that. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I also know a lot yep. about horses. Uh, <laughs> so a draft horse can pull 15 times their own weight. And they have no more than th- 30 guests on these vehicles at a time. Which means they can pull... 30,000 pounds. So unless the passengers are also horses, it is basically effortless <laughs> for them. And I, uh, again, I've talked to the, the customers about this. I was like, okay, so, so how effortless are we talking here? Like, is it like kind of hard? And the way they explained it, it was like, it's basically like if you were pulling a wagon filled with like, like a kid, this is like, that's it. That's, that's all it is for them. Um, each horse has a private stable with private outdoor section. They're cleaned three times a day. Some horses, supreme, everywhere. Uh, there's an advanced <laughs> fly, fly control system. Uh, two, three hours a day are spent playing and socializing with other horses. They have regular checkups. They have feeding devices, which mimic eating in the field. And uh, by the way, the horses love to work. They're never forced, never coaxed, except for, you know, the obvious, you know, that's kind of, they don't, they can't drive away, right? Um, And when the horses retire, they are adopted by caretakers who have a bond with them. Done. I'm enjoying the Instagram horses of Disneyland. This is really fun. Yeah. Also, by the way, if you haven't already, uh, Cats of Disneyland is also delight. Wonderful. Uh, all right. So Christmas. Yes. Um, uh, but hor- just, oh just for the, s- <laughs> just for the sake of it, uh, at Walt Disney world, horses are also very well taken care of. And, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, uh, a very similar, very similar sort of situation. Uh, but yes, there's the tricycle D ranch, um, over at, uh, not Fort Wilderness. The yeah, Fort Wilderness. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's where the horses generally hang out. Um, Disney really does take really good care of their horses. Yeah, uh, everything that Dan has said is is basically the same at Walt Disney World. But but yeah, except, it, except for except they go by fan boat instead of by car. <laughs> well, it is a much shorter trip than Torrance. Yeah, yeah. true, true. Uh, but yeah, they could put them it, on a boat. Yeah, they could put them on the friendships. That'd be so cute. <laughs> the they could train them to drive with their oh with gosh. their teeth. <laughs> put an apple on or that they thing. Swim horses love in the apples. lagoon. Uh, you can actually uh, ride these horses. Mm. Um, the tricycle at Fort Wilden. <laughs> oh. Damn. 
Uh, my, I, I, if I had known we were going to go into horse stuff, I would have talked to my my wife a little bit more about this one. She's uh, she's a but a big. You've imprisoned her at Disney World. So how I've imprisoned imprisoned her at Walt Disney World. I have to pick her up in a few hours. Uh, she finally found her way out to a, to an airport. And you're going to pick her up on horseback, right? Well, I'm going to pick her up on horseback. Naturally. My my wife is a big uh, horse fan. She <laughs> does not, uh, not whore fan. Um, hey. <laughs> we got she, there. <laughs> she, she, <laughs> she prefers to ride uh, Western instead of English. Um, there's a difference. And um, hey, Lindsay, uh, Lindsay F., from oh yeah, her daughter concierge. owns a horse. Yeah, yeah, but her her daughter rides English, and Brandy uh, prefers to ride uh, Western. It, so English, you just have to have sense. tea while you're riding. Yes, you have you <laughs> have to have tea, and you have to wear very specific uh, clothing. Same for Western. Well, uh, Western, but, you're eating barbecue, right? Yeah, you're eating, <laughs> and you have to talk yeah. about in and out constantly. That's mm-hmm. right, in and out. No. no. Okay, no, can we talk about Christmas? Uh, but anyway. this is not, listener, this is not one of those ironic things where we pretend we're going to talk about something and we don't actually. What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> let's get it. Yeah, let's, let's get, get into to Christmas. Room. Okay. Oh, the t- oh um, we're, wait, 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 wait. We're talking about the tiki room? <laughs> not yet. We gotta okay, get to hang Christmas on. First. I, got, I got notes. Oh, I'm Pull sorry. Pull up your notes. All right. Uh, Dan, presumably Disneyland did Christmas first. So let's talk about yeah, but Christmas. I'm tired of hearing myself talk. Eric. <laughs> Eric, let's talk about Disney World's Christmas. Let's talk about the first Christmas at Walt Disney World. December 12th, 1971, the Orlando Ooh. Sentinel. Why did they at- wait so long? <laughs> Two whole months. <laughs> uh, I'm, this is a, an article in the Orlando Sentinel from December 12th. 1971, uh, it was written, uh, Walt Disney World's first Christmas will be a spirited two-week holiday full of gaiety, tradition, and colorful uh, Disney character parades and commemorative religious pageantry of the season. Mm. Uh, Yeah, yeah, the the Magic Kingdom will be decked out literally for the Christmas, for for the Christmas, that's odd that they would put it that way with a giant tree and hundreds of wreaths of hemlock and holly. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- this first year they made a big deal out of it and well, they'd make a big deal out of it every year, but uh, they specifically pointed out that in this first year, they would have 50,000 pansies, snapdragons and poinsettias and a 50 foot Christmas tree, which is these days 65 feet tall. Uh, but well, um, trees do grow over the years, Eric. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, they've they've let it grow a little bit. Uh, more than twelve, uh, more than twelve hundred lights, a thousand giant ornaments adorn adorning the tree. Uh, yeah, they basically at Walt Disney World said we want to do this. We want to have a big Christmas thing, um, and uh, and they did. Because you know, I'd be curious, Eric. I don't know if you have it in your notes, but. The uh, putting up a tree, you know, fake whatever at Disneyland is one thing, but putting it up 
in smack dab in the middle of hurricane season, like what kind of reinforcements <laughs> do they have to do to that tree? I don't have any notes about yeah, the Yeah, that'd be interesting. Maybe for a, a past show correction, we can look into like what sort of reinforcements. <laughs> I know that there are like concrete in the tree. <laughs> right. Like there are cables, I know, on both trees just to kind of for stability, right, that are anchored to the buildings, I think. Um, but yeah, I'd be really curious to see what kind of reinforcements they have to do for the temporary structure. And that's in all the parks, right? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and that's, that's what's so much fun at Walt Disney world is the, the trees at each resort at each. They're all very specific to each. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I I really like my, my favorite. uh, And I said this on uh, the hub crawl that will come up soon. Uh, My favorite is the animal kingdom. Me too. Tree. I really like the way they do the tree there. Uh, Candlelight Processional. Mm-hmm. Dan, yeah. do you want to talk about your first Candlelight Processional and how it, it, it continues my, to the, to this day? My first Candlelight Processional, uh, Michael York was the narrator. Ooh, Michael York. <laughs> and this is the first one you went to, not this Disneyland's is, yeah, this first. This is the first one I yeah. went to, yes. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. Um, Candlelight Processional, well, okay. So, first of all, we also have Christmas crap at, on Main Street. Yeah, um, we, we both, yeah, both parks have Christmas crap right. on Main Street. And the castle is very, very sparkly and right. everybody... Likes one that. nice thing about uh, Chris, the Christmas tree at Disneyland is it uh, if you approach the park the correct way, it obscures the castle for long enough that you can keep the food in your stomach for an extra sometimes up to <laughs> 10 minutes um, before you vomit. Before you vomit at the, the vomit with delight. Of, okay, <laughs> uh, so there are, there are lights. One thing I noticed, one major difference should we get into differences yet or am i doing kind of like processional i think so eric kind of mentioned the first christmas it was two weeks long what yeah. was disneyland's first christmas uh the first christmas was, was really like day, more right? it, it kind of started with the beginning of the candlelight processional because in 1955 charles hurt uh a, a choir director from usc was brought in to train uh, 12 Dickens carolers. And by the way, before I forget, listener, if you want to listen to things about the Main Street Loop, listen to a very pretty Christmas episode of Scraping the Vault. Uh, <laughs> but by the way, anyway. we were talking about nostalgia earlier, and it was everything I could do to not say that I watched um, A Very Brady Christmas uh-huh. last night, yeah. and it's perfect. Five it's, stars. It's obviously. Um, so things that he trained them were things like, again, this is 1955, 1955. They never, you know, they didn't really have a theme park except for, you know, some parts of knots, but this was kind of a new thing. So he was training, he had to train them. Like, for example, if a kid comes up to you while you're singing, sing to them, you know, uh, stuff that probably feels like intuitive now based on our experiences. But back then it was like, what do I do? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, they had a holiday festival at the Main Street Bandstand, which was located uh, kind of where the Fantasyland, the the fair area is, where uh, Carnation Gardens used to be. Um, that area where they used to swing dance in the nineties, right? Yeah, where they used hmm. to have swingers. Um, and uh, if you want to see actually the original structure, it is now uh, at Rogers Gardens in Del Mar. And get, I guess, a hot mm. dog from their hot dog stand or something. And the people that you bring with you will be like, 
so what what happens what, what, why are we here <laughs> yeah so that was Thanks. it was renamed the christmas bowl and a 300 member choir which included uh visiting choirs visiting school bands and you know whoever wanted to perform uh they all performed at main street station in a sort of like ragtag you know let's do it here kind of thing where they just sung a bunch of christmas carols now, in 1956, they added Disneyland Band to the mix. And again, it was just sort of this, like, a thing that happens. It's just like, hey, why don't, why don't we do this? And everyone's like, yeah, do it. That's fun. <laughs> uh, 1957, uh, it starts to get a little bit more solidified. They had the Christmas Around the World Parade, where people were dressed in, and I'm doing air quotes here, traditional garb. And I'm sure all of the pictures are... They uh, all stand up to scrutiny now. Uh, and for this one, they went from the Sleeping Beauty Castle to Town Square. Um, but it, there were kind of too many people to organize. <laughs> it got really, really big. And there were too many performers to organize in a way that could be kind of seen or conducted reasonably. <laughs> uh, so it ended up just being a bunch of people singing around the flagpole, which from what I can tell, Sounded like delightful and fun, but not how Disney does things, right? Um, 1958, Hurt proposed a more formal arrangement with candles and 16 choirs. For this, they actually went opposite. They started in the town square and went to the castle with the Dickens carolers on the castle balcony. 1960 is where we really get some good stuff. Uh, they moved it all to the train station. They did the processional from the castle area to train station um, or whatever they do now. I don't really know the, the layout of what they do. Um, yes, I have see, uh, they added a narrator with Bible stuff and um, Bible stuff. <laughs> I mean, that's what we call it. <laughs> yeah, it's the story of Christmas. I don't know. I don't have it. It's been too long. I don't know how overtly Jesus-y they get, but they get pretty Jesus-y. I'm not saying scripture. that in a bad sense. I, and I know for some people, it's it's in this weird place where it's like, for some people, it is not overtly religious enough. And then for others, it's like, this is very overtly religious. <laughs> but not in an uncomfortable way. It's just sort of like, a, yeah, I guess they're actually doing Christmas right now. And that's that's cool. This also brought the living Christmas tree, and that is a, a bunch of risers in the shape of a Christmas tree. And that was brought by the Western High School Acapella Choir. It was actually theirs. It was their idea. And they continued to perform. I mean, different students, of course, because you know, they graduate. Uh, they continued to perform until 1981 when the choir teacher retired and just for funsies i looked up the western high school uh website to see like you know join our legendary choir there's no choir since <laughs> when that person retired no more choir at that Aww. high school yeah um and in 1982 they kept the living christmas tree i'm sure they like bought it from them or something um but they replaced the uh, high school kids with the Disney employee choir. And it is not called the cast member choir because they are not in character. They are volunteers. They're not on stage. They are actually 
representing themselves as employees of a company that it's, it seems weird, but to me, if anytime I think it through a little bit without having to come up with a, like a rationale for it in clear terms, it kind of just makes <laughs> sense. Um, and in 1971, it was brought to Walt Disney World, just like Eric said. So that's true. Um, I'll talk about that. <laughs> and throughout the 70s, uh, Disneyland band director Jim Christensen worked to bring consistency to both coasts. So he would tune it so that it was kind of the same thing, both places, and it was overall a more polished experience. Um, very little has changed over the years. They've switched out a few songs. Um if you're trying to play the game of are they making it more or less Jesus-y, it's kind of an even mix. Occasionally they'll they'll go they'll swap for one direction and then also at the same time make another swap in the other direction. So whoever is doing it is very aware that there are godless heathens like me, and then there are also, <laughs> you know, the other people who, you know. Again, I'm not trying to say one is right or the other. I'm just I'm just trying to point out that like a balance is seemingly willfully achieved, but the balance is also still understandably and I think correctly m- more on the side of like, yeah, this is the story of Jesus. Like, what do you want? <laughs> this is so very clearly a Christmas thing. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting that Disneyland they only perform it four times. Yeah, and two of the times need. are for VIPs and um, and Club Thirty Three members. Like you can't just go. Yeah, I've I've been. Have have either of you been at Disneyland when they're when they're doing the candlelight processional? I will do you one better. I was in the candlelight processional. Well, mm-hmm. that was when Michael Graves was the narrator. Peter. Peter Graves. Sorry, yeah. Peter Graves was the narrator. We <laughs> did Michael walk Graves. down the main street. We were the living Christmas tree. And it's largely stayed the same. I, I read that like Cary Grant did it in 1958. Yeah, they had to like uh, they they basically had to kick him out a couple of times because he was just like I want to keep doing this. But um, it's <laughs> it's interesting that, that I didn't realize that that it's a kind of an exclusive thing. I was I was going to say Candlelight Processional at Disneyland is still a thing and is sort of one of those original Walt deals, but it's like an exclusive thing. Whereas at Disney World, you, anybody can see it like dozens of times. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, but at Disneyland, it's on Main Street. So that's right, purposes, which is what we're talking about. For, only on for Main the purposes Street. of this show. That's, that's, fair. that's <laughs> I, fair. I'm at, at an advantage, what I, but I understand it's kind of a snaky advantage. I The feeling that I kind of got from it was that it's more about it being a tradition and mm-hmm. more about it being almost for the performers than for anything. And it just mm-hmm. so happens that it takes place in a theme park where people can also where guests can be like, Oh, I'm here the day they did this. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that is, I think, I don't know that that's, I think it's by design, but I think it kind of has to be, you know, because of just the, I mean, they can't do this every day because that, that means they have to shut down no, their logistics, park, yeah. their park entrance yeah. every day, you know? It's it, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting thing being there in the park on the day that they're, they're going to do it. Kind of like being there the day they're doing the, the, Christmas parade or the what do they call that the Christmas at Disney thing they record in like October mm-hmm. yeah with Julian and Huff and it's not that you you can't see it it's just it's very it's it's got to be kind of your project for the day mm-hmm. if you want to see it you can kind of 
uh, Dave from Fresh Baked said he he found this method of like they have these routes that they keep you walking around, you know, just like mm-hmm. you know, anytime the, the the crowd control is keeping you from congesting a parade route, they kind of direct you around the perimeter of Main Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> he, he said one method to see it while not like really seeing it, but you kind of take it in is to just keep going around. (laughs) (laughs) Just do the loop. Just do the loop. Um, Yeah. That's interesting. Um, So Eric, I'm sure you have something on candlelight processional. that's not technically relevant to Christmas on main street, but did you want um, to interject something? It's it's plenty relevant to Christmas on main street because it initially for many years, uh, the candlelight processional was held on main street at the magic kingdom. So we're, we're, I mean, sure. This is history, but still, uh, it was originally held on two nights in 1971, December 18th and 19th, 1200 carolers walked down main street to the castle. They did a similar living Christmas tree. Uh, rock Hudson narrated the Christmas story. Um, he was apparently a disappointment because he refused to sign autographs afterward. <laughs> uh, That's why you get yeah. Michael York. There you go. Because uh, he's going <laughs> to. Of course. Of course he is. But yeah, Rock Hudson did this many years. Cary Grant did it in 1972, but Rock came back many times over the years. Uh, let's see. Pat Boone. Uh, Joe Campanella. Okay, I see where we're going with this. Howard Keel, Walter Cronkite. The final year that they they did the Candlelight Processional at Walt Disney World in the Magic Kingdom uh, was 1993. James Earl Jones was the narrator. That was his first, uh, first time doing that there. Uh, but yeah, after that... That was, my, was, that was Michael York here over in uh, California. Oh, okay. Another, we got James another. Earl Jones in 1990. Oh, all right. We could just, let's read lists. Let's everybody. go year by year. Here we go. Oh, boy. <laughs> 1971, John Wayne. Last Rock year Hudson. was Chris Pratt. I got Rock Hudson, 1972. Cary Grant. Cary Grant, 73 to 74. Rock Hudson. <laughs> Jimmy Stewart, 1975. Dean Jones. Rock Hudson, 1976. <laughs> Joseph Campanella. Buddy Ebsen and Ed Asner, 1977. Rock Hudson. Cary Grant, 1978. Ross Martin. Elliot Gould and Joseph Cotton, 1979. Nobody knows. Uh, 1979, Perry Como. Yeah. Ooh, we got, oh, oh, here we go. 1980, we got Mr. Touched by an Angel himself, Michael Landon. Nice. Back to Rock Hudson. Ooh, I guess I'm very fascinated by these these team up efforts <laughs> right. in, in uh, let's see, 1981, Ed Asner and Jason Robards, <laughs> James Hampton and Darren McGavin. <laughs> All right. Here's another, here's another blockbuster. 1982, Pat and Shirley Boone. What? Mm. Pat, Pat and Shirley Boone. Oh yeah. <laughs> same. They oh God. Just, are you serious? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. The, the same year. <laughs> it's Pat and his wife. Wow. Uh, 1983, Darren McGavin. Joseph Campanella. Ah, I got, we got Joseph Campanella in 1984. Rock Hudson. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, 1985, Kevin Dobson. 
Howard Keel. <laughs> 1986, Craig T. Nelson and Elliot Gould. Wow, Elliot Gould. (laughs) Howard (laughs) Keel again. Oh, God. Uh, We got Howard Keel, 1987. He finally made it over here. Well, uh, he was replaced by Dean Jones. In 1988, we got the return of Joseph Campanella. (laughs) Walter Cronkite. Who is Joseph Campanella? That's a big one. I don't know who Joe Campanella is. Uh, 1989, John Forsyth. Uh, 89 McLean Stevenson. Who is that? Oh, Uh, from MASH. Okay. Uh, let's see. 1990, James Earl Jones. Joseph Campanella. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Uh, 1981, Robert Urich. George Kennedy. I got to look out Joseph Campanella. Joseph Campanella uh, died in 2018. He appeared in more than 200 television and film roles from early 1950s to 2009. Best remembered for his roles as the narrator on Main Street. Oh, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> Joe Torino on Guiding Light. Guiding Light. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, Days that of guy. Our Lives. He's a soap opera guy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, those must Bold be and the so beautiful. good. Uh, let's see. I got George Kennedy in 1992. Paula Zahn. Ooh. And 1993, <laughs> as you all know already, Michael York. James Earl Jones. Peter Graves, 1994. Uh, well, well, yeah, we're, we're, we're off Main Street at this point. Oh, uh, we're so over at, no at longer Epcot. relevant. Oh, yeah. They have oh, more yeah than you have one the running, the running uh, list. It's like the... It's like the Eat to the Beat series now. Right. Okay. Yeah. Now now it, it goes, let's see. Um, okay. Give me give me your, how about this? Uh, David Og- Ogden Styers, I've never known how to pronounce his name, 1995, and you give me, <laughs> you give me either the a best better. best equivalent. A, a, the, yes. The most equivalent. I like that. The most equivalent. <laughs> David Ogden Styers. Um, <laughs> Whatever that means it, to you. You mean for for this year or yeah for that year for that year that year ninety five oh ninety five oh oh man I don't have because I didn't look it up because okay I'll, I'll I'll finish up my list and then you can do whatever you want with your list because okay. this this part doesn't make sense I got <laughs> I got DOS nineteen ninety five Mary Hart nineteen ninety six Joseph Capanella back again in nineteen ninety seven Richard Crenna and Edward James Almost in nineteen ninety eight Olympia Dukakis nineteen ninety nine oh two thousand was a big year with John Tesh and Barry Boswick. <laughs> David Augustine nice. Sires is back again in 2001. And Do you think he does the Cogsworth voice when he's reading? <laughs> As Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey Rooney and Stephen Collins in 2002. Uh, 2003, we got Louis Gossett Jr. and Marie Osmond. Ooh. Nah, 2004, Marie Osmond. 2005, Dick Van Dyke. I think it rained that year. I'm not sure, though. Uh, 2006, we got Andy Garcia and Hector Alon, Alons, Alon, 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 oh, Elizondo. wow, my brain is breaking. Elizondo. Oh, my goodness. That was just pure reading comprehension problems. Uh, 2007, Jane Seymour. 2008, John Stamos. 2009, John Voigt. 2010, Tom Skerritt. Gary Sinise in uh, 2011. Uh, and then we got Dennis Haysbert and Kurt Russell in, sep- in separate performances in, t- in 2012. Edward James Almost, 
uh, was also 2012. Lou Diamond Phillips was also 2012. They were hitting it hard in 2012. We got uh, Lou Diamond Phillips, Dick Van Dyke, Dennis Haysbert, Patricia Heaton, Molly Ringwald, and John Stamos all in 2012. Whoa. 2013, we got Kurt Russell and Blair Underwood. Uh, 2014, Bo Bridges. 2015, Gina Davis and Lana Perea. Uh, 2016, Jennifer Godwin, both with a G. That's weird to see. Uh, 2017, Chris Hemsworth. She's the bunny in Zootopia. 2018, <laughs> Chris Pratt. 2019, Lynn manuel Miranda, Lord. of course. 2020, they, oddly enough, they got Joseph Campanella. <laughs> just wow. So, it, was, it was just him. <laughs> Because it was close. That's the joke. Uh, 2021, Sterling K. Brown. 2022, Viola Davis. And 2023, uh, what's her name? Brie Larson. Brie Larson. That's a heck of a list. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eric, do you have a counter? Not that anybody's getting points <laughs> for any of this. Uh, I mean, this is just filling time, by the way. We need, we do, we probably which we don't have. <laughs> we, we don't, we don't need to fill time. Uh, but I mean, the candlelight processional is is at Epcot now, and they do um, quite a few nights. What is it like 20, 20 something nights? Yeah, it's like like I said, it's like the Eat to the Beat series, where right. every oh, weekend yeah. or there's three days of one celebrity and. Tonight's narrator. Yeah, this this year <laughs> we've got. Hansen, I think this year we've got Brendan Fraser, Ev- Eva Longoria, Joey McIntyre, Sterling Brown, Jordan Fisher, Stephen Curtis Chapman, Audra McDonald, and Lisa Ling. I and know the ghost of Joseph of Campanella. Is there <laughs> Joe Campanella's spirit. Oh my god! Um, uh, is Joe, seriously Joseph hard Campanella? Out. Oh yeah, he did pass away in 2018. Okay, I, yes. I checked this time. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, so, uh, Candlelight Processional, Disneyland Point. Okay. Have you tried Staples? All right. What else you got, guys? Come on. Uh, Christmas, on Christmas Main parades. Okay. Thank so, you. starting in 1983, mm-hmm. the uh, the the annual Christmas parade at at uh, at Disney Parks was broadcasted live from Walt Disney World. That first year was uh, hosted by Joan London and Mike Douglas. And for let's see, so not Michael Douglas. Yeah, I was going to say Mike Douglas from the Mike Douglas Show talk show, not Michael Douglas, star of stage and screen. Correct. Correct. Yes. Uh, Here's here's a list <laughs> for for twenty years. Uh, let's see, no uh, more than that. They uh, they continued to uh, broadcast live from Walt Disney World. Uh, they would cut over to Disneyland during the, this time period, but uh, during various times. But most of the uh, broadcast was at Walt Disney World. So now this is the thing that you see on Christmas morning. We talked about briefly a little while ago. It's you see it on Christmas Day, but it was recorded in October, right? Okay, uh, but yeah in in these in the olden times they were actually broadcast live. Okay, uh, from Walt Disney World. I've, oh yeah, the Disneyland segment where it was just like John Tesh, you know, being like, "Hey, I'm I'm on a rocket." They pop over and it's like. Yeah. Dan as a child waving a, fl- a little like pennant. Hi, I'm here. 
Yes. Uh, but you most of it was my childhood perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, 1984, uh, Joan London and Bruce Jenner. Oh God. Uh Oh, Regis Philbin popped in for a mm-hmm. little bit. Uh, 1985 and 86, Joan London with Ben Vereen. 1987 <laughs> to 1990, Joan London with Alan Thicke. Ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Mm, yep. 1991 to 1995, uh, Joan London finally t- teams up with Regis Philbin. I was going to say Regis, yeah. By the way, yeah. you know how they say, like, what's your dream lineup for, like, a, a dinner party? You are naming Joan my dream Regis lineup Philbin. for a dinner party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, too bad so many of these people are dead Um, how dare you 1996 Suzanne Summers and Jerry Van Dyke 1997 (laughs) Melissa Joan Hart and Ben Savage that's a weird combination right 1998 uh, Carolyn Ree and Richard Kind (laughs) Richard Kind uh, finally, the voice of, uh, Richard Kind was the voice of Bing Bong. Uh huh. He was the voice of Bing Bong. Yeah. Sure was. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, inside I'm, out. I'm, yeah. Um, 2001 through 2009, Regis and Kelly. Nice. <laughs> In 2009, uh, Regis had hip surgery, mm-hmm. so uh, I had a surgeon. On. They performed the surgery live on camera. <laughs> so Kelly, Kelly Ripa and Nick Cannon. It's Ripa, <laughs> Eric Ripa, Kelly Kelly Ripa, Nick Cannon helped out. Did she get pregnant? I don't know. He has on a lot of camera. kids. That's all I'm saying. On camera, on camera. Uh, Ryan Seacrest was yeah. in California that year, helping out. 2010, C- Ryan Seacrest and Nick Cannon. <laughs> We'll just keep going through uh, keep Dan going. laughing. Oh, uh, it's, just, 20- it's just this 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 very specific area of celebrity is my absolute favorite. I mm-hmm. love them so much. Uh, sorry. <laughs> <What's> Bill, <laughs> when does Bill Bixby show up? <laughs> uh, no Bill Bixby. Oh, okay. Uh, Mario Lopez, Maria Menounos, and Nick Cannon hosted for the next few years. Um, Neil Patrick Harris, of course, Yep. Joined in 2013. Neil Patrick Harris is the Venn diagram between actual, like, yeah. respectable actor totally. with a career and that type of celebrity. Yep. And Disney yep. it, yeah, the, parades. The, yeah. The respectable career and the Mario Lopez. He's like the, right. the Venn diagram. Right, right, right. right. Uh, the last live broadcast was in 1996. This was still CBS up to this oh, point. Oh, <laughs> And even after Disney bought ABC. Right. Yeah. Disney. They had a contract. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, after after that point, when once uh, Disney owned ABC, they would air every year after that, but they would tape it over a few days. I've been to one of those tapings. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember walking through uh, through the hub in the in the Magic Kingdom. And seeing a bunch of the Descendants actors on stage, <laughs> dancing and singing over and over, the, and, uh, and I did not join the the. It's the Julianne group. Huff now and her brother, kind of do it. I guess, yeah. Well, so I guess what I'd like to do is 
offer a point to Disney World because yeah, I think in the zeitgeist of today, when people watch Disney Christmas, it tends to be sort of Disney World centric. Mm-hmm. So I think from the outside world, the non-nerdy insider, I think Disney World Main Street Christmas in this particular aspect gets a point. Yeah, it's, it's the flagship. So I mean, of course yeah, they're gonna right. they're gonna do that. I will point out some differences though between Disneyland okay. and Walt Disney World, uh, specifically Main Street. Uh, Disneyland's Christmas stuff, first of all, is centrally centrally located in Main Street uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. Uh, and I understand it makes sense to stretch it all out at Disney World. That right. that's fine. Um, the decor I found is actually much more time appropriate to the time presented with the theme at Disneyland. Uh, there's like actually there's like old Victorian crap, um, and if you look closely, it's. Uh, it is actually stuff that would be rep- that it's like replicated stylized stuff from that turn of the century era. Whereas at Disney world, it's just kind of this generic decor, which is like Christmas in all caps, but not specific to the time. Again, it probably fits to the resort that it's in because it's just sort of like, Hey, here's Christmas here. But at the, at the end of the day, it's just kind of like giant cartoon popcorn. And most importantly, Disneyland's Christmas is not behind a paywall. Um, you can see, see the tree lighting ceremony without paying to see Mickey's Halloween Christmas treat spectacular. Uh, they have a tree lighting ceremony uh, every uh, making making it every work. night every night thank you yes that's the time of day <laughs> I'm, I'm, um, that's the question that's, that's when lights happen oh, there's okay. also a ca- castle lighting ceremony which happens a couple times a night and it is weirdly like a religious ceremony and i'm not saying that as a complaint i kind of like it uh and if you wish hard enough and if the christmas miracles are working in your favor it will snow mm. um there is a bad parade that hasn't been updated in the past 300 years that goes Christmas down. Christmas fantasy parade. Christmas it's an fantasy okay parade. parade. I enjoy the parade. parade. I like it. It hasn't been updated in forever, and it's 45 minutes long. Santa and once fell off of it a couple years ago. That is ago. fun. And by the way, <laughs> I really enjoy the Santa that they have sometimes who says, I love you. Um oh. <laughs> and uh, he also will sometimes sign and sing in other languages. Uh, I, uh, listener, I just want to remind you that the theme song to this Christmas parade is probably in your head right now. Mm-hmm. That's how old it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and you Christmas also Fantasy get- Parade can be seen, used to be, I don't know if it's still, can be seen in the closing scenes of Soren over California. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yeah. You, we also have fireworks with projections and Snope, which is also not behind a paywall. Um, I think in a lot <laughs> of ways. pump out in like the paywall. morning sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. I've, I've been there in the morning where I'm like, why, why, why are they doing what? Why? Because they're not <laughs> trying to get you to pay an extra what sixty or so? Probably more than that, hundred and twenty dollars or so. Uh, one, let's see. Uh, between party, between one hundred fifty nine to one hundred ninety nine dollars yeah. per person this year. Also, twenty five nights it, this year. Uh, Wait, does hey, Disneyland hey, Eric, not have 
a, a Christmas party? Disneyland? Yeah. No, it's all just there. You don't have one? No, it's all just there. You can just interesting. Any, any Point for Disneyland on that one, right there. Yeah, that sounds like a ripoff. I mean, <laughs> Point for Disneyland. Also, oh, no. uh, Eric, I'm curious. When they make their uh, handmade uh, candy canes every year, what year do they? What day of the year do they, do they distribute them? Trick question. They don't. Um, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it! Wow. At Disneyland and the in the candy shop, they make their own candy canes, and it is an event. You have to like mm-hmm. basically get a virtual queue to get your candy. I cane. have been in that That's virtual right. queue, and I have yeah. gotten that candy cane before. I'm sure they, they like candy canes. They're wonderful. Um, let's see. Is it I just once a, a year they do that, Dan? Uh, they do it a couple times, a couple times a year, but it's only this t- this during the season and it's only like specific days. Um, and yeah, listener, if you're into that, look it up for next year. Cause I'm sure it's all taken up at this point. Um, let's see. What else do we have? I also have, what's in my notes here in all honesty, magic kingdom is too big to feel cozy. It's gaudy. It's Vegas. I don't know why anyone would say that. Um, Let's see. We also have so, so season- awesome is what you're trying to say. Uh, okay. Just my, just my very subjective opinion. I think that the Disney world as if you're going as a family to experience Christmas throughout the entire, the entirety of the resort. Great. There's so much to do. That's fantastic. You can, you can just have so much Christmas in your life. But if we're looking for that cozy, like main street Christmas feel, having it smaller feels more like your home. I think there's an argument for that, um, which we can make D- Dan Disneyland at the candy palace, December three, five, 10, 12, 17, 19, and 24. So mm. when you're there next week, you could get a hand rolled candy cane at California adventure. It's the fourth, six, 11, 13, 18, 20, and 23 or 25 Christmas day. You can get hand rolled oh. candy canes at the trolley. DCA. And I, I would That's do it those, just those are none to of the do days it. That I'm going to be there. Oh, Bummer. there you go. Uh, yeah, I would do it just to do it, but I don't really, I'm not into candy cans, you know, let someone else. Yeah. Have. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, let's see. So uh, Walt Disney world between October 31st and November 1st. So the one day, the one day there is a massive transformation of the parks. They completely remove all of the fall stuff that first night and start putting things up. Um, So this is an interesting article from uh, the points guy, which I I was very surprised to see that there was interesting content from, from that site, but that's uh, the hat, right? The wizard hat. (laughs) No. Oh, okay. That's, that's Dave. Ah, the the DVC Dave's DVC or whatever. Uh, no, this is the points guy. It's a credit card site. Like how to maximize your your points with your credit cards. Uh, but between so they invited him or somebody from his team to hey, do the uh, Eric. By the way, mm-hmm. you know you know who's maximizing points around here. Mm-hmm. Oh oh wow, maximizing his points. Maximizing right. these points right here. Oh, yeah. oh I see what you did there. <laughs> He's got more of them. That's that's what that's what that means. 
I'm that's, uh, that's, I'm poning. That's poning. It, I, <laughs> but you know what? You know, yeah. you know who gets to play the sound? Ooh. <laughs> Jingle bell. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, that'll be stricken from the record. Yeah, that's not a point. Uh, let's see. So by uh, 1.30, so the, the park closed on October 31st at 1 a.m. By 1.30, all of the garland, all of the Halloween garland was off of Main Street. Um, Within that first hour, carts were rolled out with new decorations. By 2.30, all of the fall plants were out and new plants were getting planted. By 4 a.m., red and green plants were in place. New lights and wreaths were in place. 6 a.m., nothing Halloween left on Main Street. And at 7 um, a.m., the Main Street was empty and it, it, it was basically sweeping up time. The second night, uh, they added in candles on Main Street and the 65-foot Christmas tree. So two nights completely changed Main Street. Uh, I have the- to assume that's the same at Disneyland. Is that reasonable? Actually, at Disneyland, they kind of slowly do it. They had some um, okay. like icing on the, the castle. They kind of, the yeah, they of kind of do it. Bit, they do it like bit by bit because again, they're they're not. I think what it is is they're not under the time crunch of like okay, our first extremely overpriced Christmas party is on this day, so we need to have it done <laughs> by this day. It's just sort of like yeah, get it up around Thanksgiving, you know, which they certainly do. They get it up well before Thanksgiving, but. Um, yeah, basically, once Halloween's over, they get rid of the more overt Halloween stuff. They, you know, like the pumpkins are gone. That's day one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but I mean, they they start putting like, for example, they start putting ice on the castle like late October. You know, mm-hmm. interesting. Um, well, go uh, ahead. Just Eric, just a few more facts. Sorry, I'm just just telling words. No, I like it. On the East Coast, they have 60 people full-time who are devoted to the Christmas prep. And that's because the East Coast is responsible for cruise ships, the theme parks, all of the hotels, and Hilton Head and Vero Beach hotels. There is a warehouse with that is 175,000 square feet that has 45,000 pieces of decor. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all there so that once Halloween is done, they can flip everything within two days. So I, I acknowledge Dan's point and there's a purpose for that doing that transition so fast because they have to monetize right because of those Halloween Christmas parties. But I, I will give it a point just for the sheer magnitude of what they have to do in such a short amount of time. Uh, it's impressive. Song's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. So my heart out is legit. So that's 23 minutes to to wrap it up, close it down, plug the other shows, et cetera. Right. So do we do rapid fire? Do you guys good. have do uh, we rapid fire anything? Wh- where are we at with points? Do I, how many Three more? Three to po- two, Disneyland. Oh, okay. Uh, so let me win by a couple more points. Eric, do you have any seasonal offerings on Main Street as far as like food goes that isn't? Oh, by the way, I do have to give the candy canes a point. There we go. Sorry. You tried staples? 
that isn't exclusively paywalled? Uh, there are, do we really need to go into menus? I, I can, I can pull up <laughs> menus. Go we want to talk about menus. All right. No, we don't. How about I'll talk about know, menus you while you close to. up the show. Let me talk about Joseph Campanella for a little while. <laughs> well, what, I wasn't trying to rush you guys through the content. I, I well, no, let me rephrase. I, I wanted to get more like you have you you've done the work you spent the time yeah let's share it with the people okay what else market do you house share? seasonal offerings we got jalapeno <laughs> cream cheese avocado toast avocado toast Mickey we have shaped, several other shows cookie. on the network ears up <laughs> Mickey gingerbread at we also have a pepper peppermint sunday uh chippendale holiday straw cup that might actually be from another place. I don't know. So because I, are you trying I to say actually, that all of the offerings at Disneyland are yes. not exclusive? They're available to everyone. Whereas they're available at Disney to World, anyone, they are exclusive. Yes. Anyone who is who has enough money to pay for the price of admission, but not enough money to pay for the Christmas party that they don't have can, is welcome to enjoy these. Uh, we also have, and I, I actually forgot to put, uh, the names of the places on these. So it's somewhere on Main Street. You can also get a peppermint sundae. I would imagine probably at the ice cream shop. Uh, and then we got uh, more seasonal offerings. We got a holiday stainless steel tumbler. This is probably the, the coffee house, I think. Uh, we got you mean the Starbucks. Cube. Starbucks, yeah. Uh, Chili Verde Firefly Chips. This is uh, one of those Starbucks circa 1890 to 1910. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. The company <laughs> that was founded in 1971. It's based on the first, the, the first Starbucks that uh, Walt Disney uh, delivered newspapers to back when he was a kid. Uh, yeah, in Marceline. Uh, Yes, uh, we got a Donald Truck, Donald Duck, Christmas oh, oh, tree sipper. Oh, no. <laughs> Donald Truck. <laughs> hey, kids. Uh, we got at the Plaza Inn, we got carrot cake. Really good carrot cake, by the way. Uh, chocolate mint shortcake. We got a holiday cake. Let's see. Devil's food. Oh, wait, why do we have the devil in the holiday? Oh, anyway. Oh, no. Uh, we Leave got him and chocolate cake snow globe mickey's gingerbread again i i should have put where you can get these but it's somewhere on mainstream more fun if you have to just discover (laughs) it it's like an easter egg hunt it's like a reversal of holidays anyway uh so i guess the point is disneyland wins Uh, but only specifically if it's main street christmas it's main street (laughs) christmas that's all we're talking about leaving out the epcot thing there's a whole festival exactly yep Festival There's a whole holidays other make, part. Ooh, is there a festival <laughs> of the holidays at Epcot or at DCA? Like there is a food and wine festival? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah right. But it's smaller because, oh, we, um, you know. It's a smaller park. Yeah. By we, the way, maybe we need to do that. By the way, hot buttered rum, while you watch the extremely, uh, the substantially inferior version of World of Color that they have for the holidays, delightful. <laughs> uh, so maybe well, for Disney next World Christmas. has an additional thing that you can pay money for at. Oh, uh, good. At Hollywood Studios. No. no oh, Jollywood. Not, not yeah. talking to Jollywood Nights. Maybe next year we can do the uh, holiday festival, Epcot versus DCA. What, just so Christmas. Eric can feel better or what? Yeah. So Christmas on Main Street. <laughs> uh, do you have a chicken about- guy? We, we have a chicken guy. <laughs> at uh, Disney Springs. I mean, there's a Roscoe's down the street. Mm. That's a chicken guy. Okay, so we have Christmas on Main Street. Part of, part of the reason Disneyland wins is because of Main Street vehicles. which have nothing to do with Christmas on Main Street. But <laughs> That's it why seems I thought to we were me, leaving that part out. In summation, 
uh, Disneyland. I don't know. It, it's uh, I love Christmas in all its forms. Um, I loved Christmas at Disney World. I love Christmas at Disneyland. But it seems like Christmas at Disneyland is a little more nuanced. Um, maybe not less overt, but more nuanced and more inclusive. Anyone can see it. Anyone can see all the offerings at all times. Um, the nostalgia and piece that Dan had mentioned, I think just, all of it kind of. Just to be clear, when you say inclusive, you don't mean it in like that bad way. That one of oh, our, the, the woke way? Yeah, not oh, the yeah. bad okay. way. Like it's, I mean it in that yeah. anyone can do it if okay, you can afford you. to get into Disneyland. Anyone can enjoy all of the offerings. It's not exclusive right. like some things might be at Disney World. Nuanced, etc. So Disneyland is Disneyland's Main Street does Christmas better. Have you tried Staples? But can can you get a a a, a popcorn bucket that is uh, made out of tin? Mm, uh, probably. It's probably. I'm sure somewhere on here. Let's see. Uh, Donald Duck Christmas tree sipper. No, it's not popcorn. Uh, so earlier, uh, Dan, Eric was mentioning he worked for a travel planner. That travel planner is called Concierge Eight Five Six Our Ears. If you want to plan a trip to Disneyland to see Christmas done right or Disney World to see a gaudy, overshadowed right. <laughs> monstrosity, I don't know. Um, you uh, can call it, a concierge. It, it, people want to go there. so I know, it's true. You forced your wife. Um, she didn't want to go because of all the gaudy Christmas. Yes. Anyway, so but she's recently, on the booked plane for the, now. recently booked for the Steinler family. They're going in uh, March of 2024 where they did not have to make theme park reservations. Mm. New of, as of January 9th, no more theme park reservations at hey, Disney World. Looks like Walt um, Disney World wins. <laughs> also, uh, Carrie Fishman, who's a, a previous client from Concierge, uh, she and her daughter are going to what they have that I didn't know existed, which is a Disney Channel after party. It's oh. a special event Disney Channel party in March. Uh, she and her daughter are going to that. They're going to book their hotel on their own. And they wanted a one-day park hopper the day after the the after party. None of this Disney, or excuse me, concierge doesn't get paid for any of it. But she reached out, said, I want to do these things. So I booked her those things for her. And they showed up delightfully in her app. So that's something you can do. Uh, even though concierge does not get compensated for it, we're glad to help. Um, other shows on the network, you've heard them. Uh, listen to them. Uh Rate and review our show, The Supreme Resort. Listen to Scraping the Vault. We have Alvin and the Chipmunks, A Chipmunk Christmas, circa 1982, which is one of my favorite nostalgic experiences, not unlike a very Brady Christmas. Dan and Eric, do you have anything else to add? Uh, I don't know. If you like Bowie, we got a thing for you. Uh, <laughs> got Jimmy minutes. doesn't have time to talk no, about no, Bowie's No, no, no. I don't mean like, I don't mean this. Uh, yeah. I mean, listen to Bowie's Planning. Oh, Bowie's Planning, not yeah. on this network. Bowie's Planning, you can find it wherever you hear podcasts. That's Dan explaining David Bowie to Eric. Oh, and by um, the way, I think in, in case Eric's migraine is keeping him from doing this, we will have a very special Christmas delight for you from Bowie's Planning on this feed. On Hooray. Day. All right. Well, in the interest of that, uh, thank you both for all your research. Thank you, listener, for listening. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. And until next time, court is adjourned. Oh, and be good to each other, especially now it's Christmas.